Well, this summer, uh, we've been taking a look at uh, some Old Testament personalities with a view to drawing some lessons from them for our own lives. And uh, we've looked at Jacob and Esau and Esther, and uh, we've studied the life of Daniel. And this morning, we, we uh, take up uh, a fellow by the name of Samson. But before we get into the story, let me begin with a prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we're so glad that you have spoken to us, that you are a God who can be known. Indeed, we could not know you unless you have revealed yourself to us. And you've revealed yourself to us above all in Jesus Christ, who walked this earth full of grace and truth. And Lord, we have your written word And so, Lord, may your spirit illuminate what's on the page, that it may speak directly to our hearts, that your word would find root in us, that we would bear rich fruit for you. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with us as we seek to know more about your grace and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, Samson. I don't know how many people today would actually know who Samson is. Um, Sometimes I'm surprised, you know. Uh, Most people now are not getting an education that includes the Bible, even though it's the foundation of Western civilization. But really, people don't know the Bible, so I'm often surprised. People don't know the story of David and Goliath. And and, uh, so imagine, you know, hearing the story for the first time. I mean, wow. Uh, and how many people would know the story of Samson? Now, there was an old movie, I forget who was in it. Was it Victor Mature? And, you know, Samson, Delilah. Delilah. Uh, I don't know, I should go check that out. Some of those old biblical movies are really something, by, by Cecil B. DeMille, you know. We should check that out. We could have a, a movie night <laughs> and watch Samson and Delilah. Uh, uh, but, you know, as good as that movie is, and I probably saw it years ago, but what's better is the Bible and the way that it tells stories. And, uh, and uh, so let me begin by saying that Samson was blessed with unusual gifts, with extraordinary abilities. Uh, he was known above all for his strength, right? He was a guy of superhuman strength. Uh, you know, if Samson were to, to go up against Goliath, Samson would win every time. I mean, every time. He was endowed with intelligence, with natural cunning. He was quite dashing, uh, quite a charmer. He was popular with the women. And in many ways, he was an attractive and likable fellow. His exploits make for great drama and entertainment. So if you would like a good beach read, read Judges chapter 13 through 16. I mean, really, there is some good stuff in the Old Testament. The story begins in the times when the Israelites were trying to gain a foothold in the promised land, and even though God had promised uh, them the land, uh, it was not easily occupied. In fact, the Israelites met uh, a great deal of resistance from the neighboring tribes and from various enemies uh, who resented this intrusion. Uh, And uh, so uh, the the chief among the enemies of Israel at this time uh, was the Philistines. And since these were the days before the kings, God would raise up certain specially gifted individuals 
uh, at certain times to rally the people and to defeat their enemies around. And one such judge, these were called judges, and so one such judge or leader was Samson. And uh, as I say, Samson was gifted by God with superhuman strength in order to lead the Israelites to victory. And he was indeed a pretty amazing guy. I mean, uh, at one point, uh, Samson wants to uh, uh, go up against the Philistines, get revenge for something that they did. And uh, so Samson, using his natural cunning, uh, went out and he caught, personally caught, 300 wild foxes, tied them together in pairs, put flaming torches in their tails, and then sent them into the, the grain fields and the olive groves of the Philistines. Wow. By the way, this is the first mention in history of taillights. <laughs> yes. It's true. There you go. On another occasion, Samson slew 1,000 Philistines using nothing more than the jawbone of a donkey. And then there was a time when Samson was in the city of Gaza in Philistinian land. And uh, he was, uh, the, the Philistines knew that he was in the city, and so they locked the gates thinking that they had him trapped. But Samson responded by uprooting the whole gate and all the posts, and he carried the gate and the posts all 20 miles and deposited all that stuff on the hillside. What a guy. It was reported that he killed a lion with his own bare hands. In fact, uh, Samson appears to have been kind of an Israeli Tarzan, you know. <laughs> Samson may have been able to subdue his enemies for a while, but sad to say that the, the story is actually um, a tragedy. Because Samson could have been so much more than he turned out to be. Magnificently endowed by God with superhuman strength, you know, he was meant to be a great leader in Israel's time of need. And uh, the problem is that Samson never lived up to his extraordinary potential. In fact, he spent the majority of his days as a silly prankster and a promiscuous playboy. So what happened? How did uh, a winner become a loser? How did a hero become a zero? In short, he forgot who he was and whose he was. You see, from birth, Samson had been set apart for special service to God as a Nazarite. A Nazarite was someone who vowed to be totally committed, totally dedicated to God, and uh, it was a vow that they made, and that vow could last a lifetime or it could last for a particular period of time. As, and as an outward sign of that commitment, uh, the person would agree to abstain from all alcohol and would not touch any um, ceremonially unclean food, and they also could not allow a man-made razor to cut their hair. They just let their hair grow. Scripture tells us the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in Samson very early, and at some point he must have personally affirmed this vow that was originally made by his parents at his birth. As a Nazarite, Samson was set apart to live a life for God. 
kind of like a monk who takes a vow to dedicate his life to God. But the tragedy is that Samson eventually ignored his vow. He attended drinking feasts. He uh, touched ceremonially unclean food, the, the, the corpse of a dead lion, the lion that he had killed. He visited prostitutes. And to top it off, he really got a bad haircut, which we're about to see. So it seems that, that Samson's commitment to God oh, just kind of fell by the wayside. And so we pick up the story. Chapter 16, beginning at verse 4. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. <laughs> And Samson answered her, well, if, dear, if, <laughs> if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. He must have been, uh, while he was asleep, uh, is the implication. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, well, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. And then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time, you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. And he replied, If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. Then she said to him, How can you say you, how, how can you say I love you? when you won't confide in me. This is the third time, Samson, you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. 
This is the coolest part of all. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Nag, 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 nag. <laughs> I just saw a cartoon. This guy's wife is pointing at her husband. She says, I'm not a nag. I'm a motivational speaker. Now, I have to say, you know, why is it that, I mean, it sounds really sexist, but why are women always the naggers? I mean, have you noticed? Uh, yeah, well, the men, yeah, they won't do anything. They just sit there. They watch TV, drink beer. That's what they do. <laughs> you have to admire Delilah's persistence, though. I mean, really. But, you know, she wanted that silver. I mean, she, she was uh, motivated to get this guy to, you know, cough up a secret. Well, the story goes on. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he has told me everything. I mean, they must have said, oh yeah, sure, right? How many times have you cried wolf, Delilah? But anyway, so the rulers of the Philistines returned with a silver in their hands. And after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That's one of the saddest stories in the Bible, you know? The Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. So what is the meaning of the story? Samson's hair was the very symbol of his Nazarite vow, was the very symbol of his commitment to God. And that commitment that he had made was a secret of his strength. As long as he stayed true to God and true to his calling, he was able to accomplish amazing things for God. But by giving away his secret, by allowing his hair to be cut, Simon or Samson was essentially telling the world that his relationship with God just didn't matter quite all that much but he had been saying that for some time. No longer feeling set apart for God, no longer acknowledging God's call upon his life, Samson began to behave like everybody else. Began to live for himself. He became weak, he chased women, played practical jokes, grew selfish, and essentially self-destructed. It's what can happen when we forget God.
Someone has said, human beings by sin can waste themselves, which is to waste that which on earth is most like God. This is humanity's greatest tragedy, God's heaviest grief. And God must have grieved over his servant, Samson. The Philistines had gouged out both of his eyes, made Samson do the work of an animal amid taunts and jeers. The rulers of the Philistines were so overjoyed to be rid of this guy that uh, they decided that they would call together all the people and, and, uh, and they would um, offer a sacrifice to their god Dagon and they would all celebrate, uh, and they gathered saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. They were so pleased to be done. And then the story continues. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. And when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, Strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all his might and, came, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. It all came to ruin. What a waste. What a tragedy. For a long time he ignored God, and when he remembered God, he was in dire straits, and he wanted to use God to selfishly get revenge. God let him have it. He had such promise and he had such potential to be used by God to bless others. He had such wonderful gifts. I mean, he could have accomplished so much more. I mean, he could have been a real spiritual leader. I mean, he could have been another Moses or Abraham. But instead, he essentially threw himself away. He ignored God. His really bad haircut symbolized his loss of identity. He grew weak and ineffectual, and he became increasingly self-centered and self-destructive. It's the tragedy of great potential wasted. Could have been so much more if he had been true to God and true to his calling. One of the great philosophers of our day, Linus of Peanuts fame, 
says, everyone's so upset because I didn't make the honor roll. My mother's upset, my father's upset, my teacher's upset, the principal's upset. Good grief. They all say the same thing. They're disappointed because I have such potential. And then he cries out, there is no heavier burden than a great potential. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? One of the saddest things is to have had great potential, to have been endowed by God with all these gifts, and then never to have used them, never to have realized their potential. Someone has said, what you are is God's gift to you. What you become is your gift to God. So the question is, what are you and I becoming? Are we becoming more like God? Splitting God's character or becoming more like everybody else? Like Samson, you and I have been set apart for God. That's what our baptism signifies. God has created you and me and has in mind for us to do amazing things. We belong to God, set apart for God. We have each been given a holy calling. By the way, the word holy actually means literally set apart. We are all gifted. We all have amazing potential. And the very secret of our being and of our strength lies in our relationship with God. So you and I must do all that we can to nurture our relationship with God, you know, as we walk with him day by day in, in worship and prayer and the study of his word, engaging in God-honoring service. But we have to remember who we serve. Have we forgotten our primary commitment? Are we living out our baptism? Have we forgotten the vows that were made at our baptism? Are we living only for God or for ourselves? Do we seek to serve him or only our selfish desires? Is our lifestyle consistent with our Christian identity? Can others tell by the very quality of our lives that we belong to Christ? Or are we just like following our own desires and being just like, again, like everybody else? We forget who we are and whose we are. We, we lose our power. Peter reminds us in the New Testament, as obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy and is set apart, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Samson's life is tragic and ended in failure. Admittedly, though, uh, it's kind of strange, but in, in the New Testament book of Hebrews, in the 11th chapter, Samson is listed as one of the great heroes of the faith. Uh, and, you know, he no doubt, you know, did some good things along the way. It wasn't all bad. But it could have been so much better. He could have been such a better leader. He wasn't a total failure. But just think what Samson could have become had he stayed true to his God and to his calling. So what can you and I learn from his example? What you are is God's gift to you. What you become 
is your gift to God. Let us pray. Lord, help us remember as we walk through this life that we belong to you. Help us to be faithful, to remember who we are and whose we are, that we may be strong to serve you and your purposes all our days, and so become all that we were created to be. Amen.